I saw a pastor post something this morning, and he had said something to the effect that uh, I love hearing kids in church singing and shouting, because it's a lot better to hear screaming kids than no kids at all. So we love our kids. We are so thankful that they are with us, and uh, man, they're going to have a good time. Well, we are continuing in our series in the book of 1 John. We are walking through 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, but 1st John is the larger of all the three books. And so we are continuing in our series, and we're going to be talking about false teaching today, which is super exciting, right? Everyone's like, yay, I can't wait to hear this message. Um, finding false teaching. One of the things I love about going systematically through the scriptures is that you can't avoid specific things that pop up. If you're going to preach through an entire book of the Bible, you can't ignore the things that kind of pop up. So we're going to be looking at finding false teaching this morning from 1 John uh, chapter 4, verses 1-6. through 6. But before we do that, uh, let us turn our hearts to prayer and invite the presence of the Lord to illuminate the scriptures for us. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you that you uh, sent your son for us. We can't thank you enough for the love that you lavish upon your children. Holy Spirit, I thank you for moving the authors along, 40 different authors, over 1,500 years, the Bible that we have. We thank you for your sacred word. I pray, Holy Spirit of the living God, that you will fall fresh upon us this morning. Whether we're at home watching online or here in person, may you illuminate the Word of God to our hearts and to our lives so that we're not just adding this for information, but God asking you to bring transformation. In your holy and precious name we pray, amen. So there is a, there's been several studies that have happened on how to spot a liar. How do you find out that someone is lying to you? Well, there's lie detector tests, but there is a, uh, a wonderful doctor who's going to share with us how we can find out if someone is lying to us. So we're going to play this quick clip of this really smart person, much smarter than me, who's going to explain to you how you can see if someone's lying to you.
That, that's a lot of information, right? Now you guys are armed as spouses to know. Or as parents to know, right? But it's an important thing that we understand that not only do people lie to us, but also teachers bring false teaching. We can see this throughout Scripture, all the warnings in the letters from Paul and from John and from Peter talk about, at least in some small part, false teaching that has been creeping into the church. So how do we detect false teaching? Many believers get tricked into these false teachings. Many believers might not be paying close attention to what's being said, but they're cognitively loading these things into their mind. Now, and John gives us a lot of information, and he gives us a baseline. She said, you have to baseline them. And I believe that we'll see that Jesus is the baseline, because what we believe about Jesus testifies to our connection to truth. What we believe about Jesus testifies to our connection to truth. So the question that we're going to be asking today as we open up this portion of Scripture is how do we find false teaching? How do we find false teaching? If there is false teaching, which I'm saying there is, and the Bible says there is most importantly, then how do we detect it? How do we find it? So if you have your Bible, open up to 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. I believe John answers this question for us as he talks to the church. 1 John 4, 1 through 6, the word of the Lord. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Wow, in these six verses, I believe John gives us five keys of finding false teaching. John was writing to a church, as we have heard over and over again, maybe at, at nauseum at this point, that the church was infiltrated by false teachers who were luring people away out of the church. They were manipulating the people to believe false things about Jesus, about the disciples, and about church in general. Talking about not having real issues with sin and, and not really connecting with love for one another. And here we see John, his heart loving this church, saying, let me just share with you the baseline, the information, the keys to detecting false teaching. And I think the very first key that John gives us is the key of awareness. We need to be aware that believers have a clever enemy. As believers, we have a clever enemy. We see John say, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. He's telling them, be aware. The enemy is out there trying to trick you, 
trying to get you to believe false things, trying to pull you out of this community, trying to tell you that our teaching of Jesus is wrong. But he leads with beloved. Again, we see this is from the root word agape. John loves this church. He's not trying to beat them up with his words. He's not trying to pound them in the face with how bad they are. He's trying to convince them through love of the truth of the gospel. He calls them beloved. And I'm sure he's angry not with them, but with the enemy and the clever tricks with which the false teachers have bewildered and tricked the church. Here he calls them beloved. You see, Satan is not dumb. He's not dumb. In fact, he's smarter than you are. Satan is smarter than us. Right? He is smarter than us in our humanity. And it says in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen that he comes around as an angel of light. And if we're not aware of his trickery, if we're not being, uh, paying attention to what the Bible really says, if we're not paying attention to the Holy Spirit speaking to us, if we're not paying attention, his cleverness can trick us. And here John is warning them of this reality. The word test here in Greek means to put to test, examine, or prove. He's saying take time to examine what is being taught. Test it. Examine what's happening. Don't just take it for granted. Don't just listen and then say, oh, that was really good. In fact, Paul, when he was preaching, there were people who would test him, and he celebrated that. He said, be like the Bereans, because they are testing what I'm preaching. Paul, he was like, yeah, go ahead. Test it against the Word of God. Ask the Holy Spirit, am I speaking truth? Look at how I look at Jesus and preach Jesus. Please test it. Paul was not afraid. We should not have teachers who are afraid for you to test and examine what they are saying. Here, John tells the church, examine what is being said. Aiken, a commentator, says it this way, the verb test means to prove, to examine, like coins that are being tested for genuineness and proper weight, something that should be done on a continual basis. This is something that we should do often. This is one of the reasons why I really appreciate our sermon-based connect groups, because you guys who are in those groups are looking at the preaching and teaching with a closer, magnified view, saying, did, is what Marv said really true? Let's ask these questions. Let's really dig into it together. I agree. I disagree. Those are good conversations to root out and to dig into the Word of God. And as we exegete the Scriptures, look at what God said, what God meant to that time, and how it influences and transforms our lives today. That is what we need to be doing. As believers, it is vital that we test over and over and over again and examine what is being taught. Johnson says, ultimately, John sees behind all prophecy either God's spirit or the devil, the spirit of truth or the spirit of falsehood. This is important for us because not everybody who preaches the word of God and says it's from the Lord is really preaching the word of God. Even those that we might think are, wow, they're really good preachers. They're very charismatic. They really know what they're saying, but we need to examine it consistently. One of the things that has been bad about the internet is that we have YouTube preachers. 
YouTube preachers, they get on YouTube and they don't even have a church. There's a reason why they don't have a church. And they get on YouTube and they're like, and everybody just eats it up. They're like, wow, that, that guy's speaking right to my heart. Yeah, I love that. But when you don't, when you really dig into it and you look at the word, and what they're saying is not true. It's not real. You see, <laughs> there's a reason why YouTube preachers don't have a church. Because they're just preaching. They're not being challenged or examined. No one knows their real life. If you go on someone's YouTube channel and watch them preach, you don't know how they live their life. You don't understand if they really believe what they're saying. You don't see the way in which they live their lives. One of the sad things that has both statistically happened in the last two years, and I know experientially from friends of mine, some pastor friends of mine, we talk about what's been going on in the church in the last two years. And there's a book called The Resilient Pastor, which is written from Barna Research, which researches pastors and churches and members of churches. And one of the things that has been sad to find out is that people in the pews no longer are listening more to their pastor's authority than they are the online preacher's authority. 38% of people say that their pastor's authority is not as important as some random YouTube pastor's authority. Where they no longer believe what their pastor is saying and they take on what this other person is saying. But here's the sad part, is that you are in front, and the pastors, my friends, they're in front of their congregation. They see how they love their family. Their, their members are able to hear their voice, hear their heart. They've counseled them. They've trusted them for years and years and years to lead them down the path of the truth of the gospel, examining it and knowing that they've never done anything false. But those YouTube guys, they just get believed and they don't get examined. They don't get tested. You don't know their life. Now, it's not bad for us to like, listen to someone like Charles Stanley or David Jeremiah and hear them, but we, we've seen them tested over and over again, and we need to stop and examine what they're saying. My friends, it's important that as we look at teaching about the Bible that we test the spirits. We need to be aware and be serious disciples, not lazy believers. I believe that lazy believers believe everything they hear, Serious disciples test the spirits. Lazy dis believers believe everything they hear. Serious disciples test the spirits. It is important that we test and examine what is being taught. It is vital. And we do have a plumb line that John gives us, which is key number two. The second key of finding false teaching is the key of Jesus. Jesus is the test by which we discern true teachers. Jesus. Jesus. All of Scripture points to Jesus. The Old Testament and the New Testament. What does a teacher, preacher, scholar believe about Jesus? John was saying to them, listen, these teachers that are coming in, they don't believe in the real Jesus. They don't believe in the fully God, fully man truth of Jesus. They're talking about a spiritual Jesus, not a corporeal, real, physical Jesus who died and rose again. He's like, listen, if they don't teach Jesus the way you first learned it from the beginning, understanding who Jesus was from us, the disciples who saw Jesus, walked with Jesus, ate with Jesus, slept under the stars with Jesus, shook hands with Jesus, felt the holes in his hands. 
Listen, they don't know what they're talking about. Jesus is the plumb line. If we're going to baseline what the truth is, we look at Jesus. But too often, we hear all these guys talking about stuff. They just go blather, 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 and they never mention the name of Jesus at all. A lot of teachers, a lot of preachers don't mention the name of Jesus. How can we believe that person if they never talk about Jesus? Jesus is the plumb line. We see in John 1 that John is purposely in his gospel proclaiming from the very beginning God in the flesh. Jesus is fully God and fully man. And anybody who denies the deity or the humanity of Christ is a false teacher. Warren Wiersbe says, A confession is not a mere intellectual theological statement that we recite. It is a personal witness from your heart of what Christ has done for you. If you have trusted Christ and have confessed your faith, you have eternal life. 1 John 2, 25, we read that before. And so it's not just saying, oh, Jesus, yeah. Even the demons know who Jesus is. Even the demons know. And so how do we test a teacher over time? Their life. Their life. That's why local shepherds are vital. Because you get to see their life. You get to examine their life. Is Jesus really in control of this person? Sure, they mess up. I mess up all the time. I do, all the time. But my hope is that you can sense and know that I turn back in repentance when I'm wrong. I confess when I'm wrong. You can talk to my wife. Does he really love Jesus? My wife doesn't lie. She'll tell you. I love Jesus, but I mess up. But you can check and see and examine the person's life. This is why being a pastor is not always easy because our lives are always examined. But we should welcome the examination so that you can know and be sure that what we're teaching and preaching is from our heart, from our lives, and not just from our words. When I talk with pastors who have seen people just gone and led astray by these YouTube preachers who don't even have churches, it breaks their heart because they've been there for many, many years with these people. And they said, they've tested and examined. They know I love Jesus. It's an interesting, interesting time that we live in. But Jesus is the plumb line. Jesus is the determining factor. John 16, 4 says, He, the Spirit, will glorify me, for He will take what is mine and declare it to you. The Holy Spirit's main job is to glorify Jesus. Who's being glorified? Because the Holy Spirit always gives glory to Christ. The Holy Spirit always gives glory to Christ. Christ as the plumb line is not just what are they living and teaching, but when they proclaim these truths or these teachings about Jesus or about the Scripture or about life, who is getting the glory? Is it them or is it Jesus? A great way to test false teaching is to see who the person is giving glory to. Test it with me. If I ever bring glory to myself, challenge me. Call me out on it. Because that's not what we're supposed to do. 
as a person who is supposed to speak for, from the scriptures for God to the people, the Holy Spirit filling me, talking to me, and speaking through me will glorify Jesus. John is saying, open your eyes. Church, be aware. What is being preached? What is being taught? Who is being glorified? Because if it is not Jesus, don't listen. Because many of these false teachers were coming in and pretending like they had some new spiritual, philosophical understanding that the disciples never had, that Jesus himself never had. They were glorifying their own brains rather than lifting up the name of Jesus. The Holy Spirit always gives glory to Christ. The false teachers in the church John was writing to wanted their egos bolstered and Jesus diminished. We should never teach Jesus diminished, but Jesus in glory. Amen? The third key of finding false teaching is the key of realization. Believers realize the Holy Spirit is greater than the spirit of the world. Amen? These people in the church, because people were leaving and because people were walking away and believing these false teachers, they began to walk in doubt themselves. Those who remained and stayed and didn't follow were saying, did we get it wrong? Have we messed up? Man, I'm terrified. The enemy is taking over. Ah, what's going on? And John's like, listen, church, please realize that you have the Holy Spirit. You don't have to be afraid of what's happening around the world about with these false teachers. You don't have to be tricked. You don't have to be duped because the spirit within you is stronger than the spirit in the world. He has no power over you. You are filled with the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit, paying attention and discerning what the Holy Spirit is saying. You don't have to be afraid. But so much of what's been happening, even in our own day, in the last two, three years, is just so much fear. So much worry, so much anxiety. But the Holy Spirit is greater than the Spirit in this world. We don't have to be afraid. Aiken, a, a commentator, says this The world is the devil's domain, and its philosophy is an expression of his values and agenda. He attempts to kill, steal, and destroy, but is rendered powerless by the greater Spirit of God who lives within the believer. Satan is rendered powerless. I've said this before, and it is kind of comical, but it's absolutely true, that when a believer is filled with the Holy Spirit, when a believer is listening to the Holy Spirit, when the enemy sees that believer, he wets himself because he's terrified of how you will take over ground that he has tried to win. Don't you want to scare the devil that bad? I do. I hope that we as believers can terrify the enemy and take back the ground that he has tried to take because it does not belong to him. It belongs to our Father, our Lord and Savior because Jesus bought it. He bought you. He bought me. We don't have to be afraid. Communion with the Holy Spirit makes the believer untouchable. Communion with the Holy Spirit makes the believer untouchable. Now that doesn't mean that bad things won't happen. 
It doesn't mean that things won't get bad or rough, but what it does mean is that he cannot and will not have the ability to overtake you. No matter what may come in our lives, no matter the persecution, the pain, the the stuff that may try to attack us, we become untouchable when we're in communion with the Holy Spirit because he cannot derail us when we are in communion with him. Because his goal at throwing all that stuff at us is to derail our faith, to trick us, to make us believe something that's not true, and to walk away from the truth of the gospel, the truth of who Jesus is. I want to show you a drawing. Like I say, I'm trying to do a little bit more artistic stuff. Even though it looks like a kindergartner drew it, I want you to watch this quick video, and then I'll explain it when it talks about being with God in communion. Credit for the idea of that artistry. That was uh, from a, a pastor named Sky Jatani, who is a uh, CMA guy from way back and lives in Moody, uh, it lives in a Chicago area. But he, he had this, this description of our relationship with God. He said, Often we can try and live over God where we think that we know better, which is often. Sometimes we can live under God in fear that He's going to hate us and smite us, but He doesn't love us. We can sometimes walk beside God, which is a pretty good place to be, but we're called to be with God, in communion. And when we are with God, we become untouchable. When we spend time with the real, when we spend time listening, when we spend time reading the Word of God, when we spend time asking the Holy Spirit to speak to us, When we ask the Spirit of God, when we're listening to teaching, is this from you or is it not? When we are in communion with God, we become untouchable. The fourth key to finding false teaching is the key of attractiveness. No, that doesn't mean that the teachers are really attractive, (laughs) although that could be true. This is why I'm not a false teacher. (laughs) That's a good one. All right, Uh, (laughs) number eight, attractive teaching to the world is repulsive teaching to the spirit-filled believer. Attractive teaching to the world is repulsive teaching to the spirit-filled believer. Here's why I say that. Because John says they are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Now, there might be some common threads of humanity that we like certain messages. Like, you know, good news is always good news for everybody. 
That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the religious teaching that becomes attractive to the majority of the world is most likely often repulsive to the spirit-filled believer. For example, you know, we have these messages in our world, live for yourself. It's all about you. The majority of the world's like, yeah, yeah, God is, wants it all about me. All this religious stuff that I do is to make me feel better about myself. You know, we don't sacrifice ourselves. But when Jesus talks about how we are to live our lives, he says live self-sacrificially. That we are to lay down our lives for people. That's not just a thing to say. It's a reality to live. And when we grasp that, we're like, oh, the world doesn't like that. I die to myself. I don't, do that. I don't even do that for my kids. I want to live for myself. But see, the gospel is offensive. If you're never offended when you read the Bible, you're reading it wrong. Because it hurts sometimes. When you open up the Bible and you feel that moment where the Holy Spirit just strikes you in the heart and you stop and you have what Paul calls godly grief because you realize, man, that one hurts. He's talking about me. He's talking about my struggle. He's talking about my sin. He's talking about my secrecy. And God is going to wound us in a good way to get us to repent and confess. Attractive teaching to the world is repulsive teaching to the spirit-filled believer. We hear all of this high rainbows and unicorn all the time type of teaching. That God exists to make you happy. If you do this thing here and you give me this money, your life will be great. That's not true teaching. But everyone in the world's like, I want my life to be great. Yes, I'll do it. And then they do it, and then they're like, oh, that didn't work. But they go to that, back to that same church the next Sunday. Well, it, you missed this part, so if you do this one, then you'll be happy. They just keep going back through this cycle of trying to be happy all the time. But the Bible is not about happiness. It's about joy. Joy is different than happiness. Happiness is fleeting. Joy, even in the midst of pain and trials, can exist where we look with hope to what God is doing, has done, and will do. You see, we need to sometimes be offended by the Scripture and not be afraid of that. There are messages that tickle the mind of many people, where they, they listen to these YouTube preachers or whatever it is that they're listening to, books that they're reading, that they're just like, oh yeah, I really resonate with that really awesome Thing. That's what I've been thinking. Yeah, exactly what I was thinking about X, Y, Z. Yeah, yeah. And so because they are listening to something that sounds like their own brain, they just continue to find themselves in those spaces, those echo chambers that they keep digging deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into until they realize, I'm not anywhere near God. Hopefully they realize that. It's not about tickling our ears it's about hearing what God is really, truly saying. A commentator says this, he says, Further, their message is attractive to those who think like the world. Their words entice and capture those for whom the world is their home. The world listens to those who speak its own language. The world recognizes its own people and listens to their message, which originates in its own circle and reflects its own perspective. We have to be challenged. We cannot be lazy believers. We have to be serious disciples who dig deep into the Word of God, who ask the Holy Spirit of God to speak to us, to test the spirits through the plumb line of Jesus, 
Because if any preacher says anything that's antithetical to the Scripture, they're not teaching the right stuff. Because the Holy Spirit will never speak against what He's already spoken. I'll say that again. The Holy Spirit will never speak against what He's already spoken. I've heard it said sometimes, you know, oh, God's telling me to divorce my spouse because I just don't like him anymore. That's not the Bible. It's not what the Bible says. We need to go back to the Bible. I love when the Spirit shows up. The fifth key to walking in love is the key of being rooted. Remain rooted in the Holy Spirit to know truth. John constantly talks about the Holy Spirit. He talks about abiding. He talks about remaining. He talks about the importance of knowing the spirit of truth versus the spirit of error. The spirit within us is greater than the spirit in the world. He's talking about the Holy Spirit, our connection to the Holy Spirit, remaining rooted in the Holy Spirit, listening to the Holy Spirit. The ministry of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life can never be overstated. It can never be overstated because Jesus himself said, I must go so that you can be filled with the Holy Spirit who will glorify me in all things. The gifts of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the way we are to live as believers, all of those are put into our lives to glorify Jesus. But we cannot walk in the Christian life alone. Like I had said earlier, that the enemy is smarter than us. Satan is smarter than us. Satan even knows the Bible. We see when he tempts Jesus in the wilderness, he's quoting scripture to Jesus, but Jesus knew the Bible better and was like, eh, that's not really the context. You're, you're, you're trying to use something to trick me, but I know the full book. I wrote it. <laughs> we need to be people who are rooted in the Holy Spirit and rooted in the word of God, which was written by the Holy Spirit. The only person who can make the Bible make sense is the person who wrote it. And that's why Jesus says in John, the gospel, as he's in the upper room with his disciples, he reminds them, he said, you need the Holy Spirit to guide you in all truth. My truth is the truth, and he will bring it to you. He will give you the words to say. He will give you the power to live the life that you are called to live. You will be my witnesses when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The ministry of the Holy Spirit can never be overstated. We must reject the message of working on ourselves by ourselves and embrace the truth of allowing the Spirit to do the surgery we need. One of the sad things about Western church that I've experienced and Francis Chan pointed this out about 10 years ago, that the least preached portion of the Godhead is the Holy Spirit. But the most important aspect of the Godhead for the believer's life in, on earth is the Holy Spirit in order to glorify the Son. You can't glorify the Son on your own. We need the Holy Spirit. The ministry of the Holy Spirit can never be overstated. And we do this by remaining rooted in Him. I love this phrase, and I want you to write it down because it's point number 10, so you should write it down. There is no junior Holy Spirit. He is available to all God's children. 
You can't just look at a, at a missionary or a pastor or a church leader and say, oh man, of course they're doing that because they have, they have way more access. That's not true. We all have the same Holy Spirit living within us. Jesus said, the, Paul said, the, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. How do we find false teaching? We have to be aware. The enemy's clever. He's smarter than we are. We need the Holy Spirit. We have to realize that the spirit that's within us is more powerful than the spirit in the world. We need to base our, our plumb line on Jesus and what his word says. Because he will never stray from those things. May we seek to be people of spirit and truth, the word and the Holy Spirit being our guide. May we spend so much time with the real, the authentic, that spotting the fake and the false will be easy. Let's pray. Father, you are so good. When we recognize our need for Jesus, we recognize our inability and your full ability. May we continue to walk in humility, being rooted in the Holy Spirit, reading the Word of God, asking for the Spirit to illuminate the truth, and that we will examine and test the spirits as we read, as we listen, and as we watch so that we can be people who find the false teaching and reject it and walk in truth. In your holy and precious name, amen.